You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast, your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I am your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with question and answer episodes. Before we get into tonight's episode, I have to to bring you up to speed about my life and where I've been and what's been going on. And if you've not done so, make sure you check out those awesome interviews uh, between our last question and answer episode. I did amazing interviews with Royal Queena, with Josh Michael King, with Adele Spragan. Just some super dope people, really great people, interviews that I loved, I enjoyed, and that filled me up with knowledge, man, especially the Adele Spragan video or uh, interview. She's a behavioral change specialist, and the interview brought me back to a lot of the neuro-linguistic programming information that I had learned going back a couple years. So shout out to everyone that's uh, been a part of my show. Greatly appreciate it. I love you guys. I appreciate you. And if you've downloaded, listened, subscribed over the past several months, over the past coming up on two years, I love you. I appreciate you. Um, I can't emphasize enough how how much I'm and how grateful really I am of the opportunity to be able to continue to be doing the Quality of Love podcast with the help of my team behind the scenes, but most importantly, with the help of our audience. So once again, thank you so much for listening, subscribing, downloading, sharing any feedback that you have for us, all of that good stuff in an effort to uh, for us to kind of keep going here at the Quality of Love. And if you've not done that, any of it, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you give us some some feedback on all of the platforms, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Apple, Google Podcasts, any other platforms. Make sure you show us some love out there as we continue to keep this train rolling and we approach our second anniversary. Man, we've been podcasting for two years. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. All right. I know what you're here for. I, I know what you want. You want those Q&As. I'm back. We're back. Feeling good. Um, And I'm going to get into that shortly. But before I do, I just want to say thank you to uh, a significant and special group of people who've assisted me in uh, now becoming the very first uh, director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at my job, Elmcrest Children's Center. Uh, I've worked long. I've worked hard. I've literally put in blood, sweat, and a few tears into the organization. So I'm very happy to be able to be um, the very first director of diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. And I would not be in this position or I would not have felt confident and comfortable enough to go for this role if I didn't have the help of our DEI committee, as well as Gwen Inc., Right. Gwen Inc. is probably the best group of individuals that you could possibly have in terms of having the director or I should say diversity, equity and inclusion consultants for your work environment. I highly recommend them. They do great work. Uh, but no, they, they've helped me and assisted me along with our DEI committee in getting to a spot where 
I felt comfortable going for the role and stepping up to the challenge. So I thank them. I've thanked them a couple of times before, but I thank them here on the Quality of Love podcast because I know that without them, I would not have uh, had the courage to go forth and, and be in a position of now the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So thank you again. Looking forward to continuing to have a positive impact on the work environment and doing good work with the great people that we have and our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Without further ado, let's get into our quote of the week. Right, This quote comes from an anonymous author, and it reads, When looking back doesn't interest you anymore, you're doing something right. Again, that quote reads, When looking back doesn't interest you anymore, you are doing something right. And I, I got that quote a couple of years ago, and it, it stuck with me because anytime that I found myself in situations where I'm, I'm looking back, it slowed me down and it's hindered my future. So I make it a, an intentional effort to not look back on things and decisions that have, have been made along my journey. I continue to push forth and continue to kind of to move forward no matter what the obstacle or barrier in the way is. And that quote was kind of the catalyst for that, that mindset and developing that mindset where it's once you don't feel like you have to look back and constantly be assessing your future with your past or your present with your past. And I think you really can, um, you really can have a positive impact on your own life one, but on the lives of others. Right. So when looking back doesn't interest you anymore, you're doing something right. All right, let's get into it. Let's expose some of these narcissists. Yeah, narcs, I know you thought that I was going to leave you alone, but we're back on you. We're going to expose these narcissists within these relationship settings and make sure you have a clear understanding of what a healthy relationship looks like. And if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, make sure you get out of it. Let's expose these narcissists. Question number one. Would a narcissist have a very good relationship with someone who had good boundaries? Once again, that question is, would a narcissist have a very good relationship with someone who had good boundaries? The answer to that is a definitive no, absolutely not. Um, one of the um, traits a narcissistic individual preys upon is a person with very weak boundaries or no boundaries at all. That allows them to kind of come into your life, set up shop give you the idea that they're this ultra charming individual or that they care about you immensely when all the while they're just making sure and assessing that you have weak boundaries so that ultimately they can take over your life and treat you as if you're a supply. For those of you that do not remember, or it's been a while since we've done a question and answer episode. So to bring you up to speed, a supply is an individual in which a narcissist notices, uh, will it be receptive and accept a lot of their negativity and a lot of their negative traits and will not provide much resistance to that person. So uh, supply is someone who either subconsciously or consciously falls victim to the narcissist's behaviors and is not um, comfortable with holding them accountable. Right. So in those situations, uh, narcissists prey on those type of individuals. So I share that with you to say, if you have good boundaries, then there's a pretty good chance that you don't have many narcissistic individuals in your life. And if you do, you do not have close relationships with them, because once you set those firm boundaries, narcissistic people do not like that. Question number two, if I was wronged by a potential narcissist, why is it that they go on as if they were the ones who survive and escape the toxic toxic relationship? 
Once again, that question is, if I was wronged by a potential narcissist, why is it that they go on as if they were the ones to survive and escape the toxic relationship? Oh, that's that's narcissism one on one. They will always find a way to be the victim in a situation. And the idea behind those those behaviors in which they display when they do display them is that they don't want to to for people to know who they actually are. They don't want people to know that there are toxic individuals that they um, have put you in spots where you couldn't win. Right. You can't win with the narcissist. So they want to go on pretending like their life is just normal. They're these, this perfect individual and everything's perfect. So that's why they go on with the perception like they did nothing wrong with you and they're the victim, um, because that's what narcissists do very well. They play the victim and they want you to feel bad. And as if you're the reason why you either ended the relationship with them or you're holding them accountable in that moment. Question number three, do narcissists find out what you love the most in order to try to take it away from you? Once again, that question is, do narcissists find out what you love the most in order to try to take it away from you? I wouldn't say they they try to find out what you love most to take it away from you. I'd say it's more of the dangling it and holding it over your head. So, for example, if you have a really strong social support network, so you got really good friends, family, people that really support you in all your endeavors, a narcissistic individual would take that group of individuals or individual and they would hold it over your head and say things like, Oh, well, you treat this person better than me or you treat this person way better than you treat me. And it when it comes to me, you don't do this and you don't do that. And they're constantly in situations where they're making you feel like because you spend time with other people or you express love to other people that um, you're somehow putting them down. It's a it's a classic thing that they do. Um, it's extremely unfortunate. Uh, but the reality is when you're in a relationship with a narcissistic individual, there's nothing that they would would not do um, in order to make sure that you're under their control for long periods of time. Question number four, would a narcissist cry if they can't be the alpha in relationships, man or woman? Once again, that question is, would a narcissist cry if they can't be the alpha in the relationship, whether that's a man or a woman? Yeah. Going back to what I just said, ending uh, on question number three, there's not a single thing that you can put past a narcissistic individual when you're talking about relationships. These people will go to no ends to either destroy your life, uh, make you feel bad about how you're treating them, especially when you're talking about holding them accountable, um, isolate you. There's again, literally, there's nothing that a narcissistic individual would not do, whether that's a man or a woman in order to keep you under their control and to make you dependent upon them. When you notice that an individual is pulling out all the stops, that's red flags, an indication that you might want to get out of that relationship sooner rather than later. And question number five, what do narcissists not understand about their partner? Once again, that question is, what do narcissists not understand about their partners? That's a tough question. Um, If I had to guess, of of course, it's it's so individual based and I don't want to be disrespectful to individuals who who have different experiences with narcissists. Um, But I would say overall, 
um, a narcissistic individual does not understand that their partner needs empathy. Right. So just just that grace and understanding that everything is is not black and white. Right. We can make mistakes and we won't be punished for them or we won't be judged for them. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen in narcissistic relationships. And I've also participated in narcissistic relationships where I I lacked empathy for my partner and I lacked empathy for situations and what they were going through. And I think that that's huge. It's it's also an indicator that you're in a relationship with a narcissistic person. If they can't kind of bring themselves to your level or empathize with what you're going through when you're going through it, chances are they're self-absorbed and they can't tap into anyone else or have a lack of social awareness. Either way, that's certainly somebody you want to want to keep distance with. It's not someone you want to be sleeping with on a nightly basis. All right. That's all we have for our narcissist questions. Remember, we're back in action. We're back in motion. So get those questions in at TQLP20 at gmail.com so we can keep exposing these narcissists. And if you haven't done so yet, once again, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Go give us a like, shoot us some feedback and all that good stuff as we continue to keep this train rolling forward with the quality of love. Okay, before we touch on the relationship questions, just a reminder to go check my buddy Saran Miller's Etsy page out. Mr. Humblefit himself is offering $10 off on anything on his Etsy, web Etsy website when you use the code KingDixon1. Again, use that code KingDixon1 and we will be sure to get $10 off of anything on the Etsy site. Also, really quickly, if you've not done so, be sure to subscribe to the Powerful Voices app. Uh, we had Lakia Hill, the one and only, on here a couple of weeks ago, a couple of interviews ago, I should say, and she spoke about the Powerful Voices app, giving the power and the voice to the people. So go ahead and check that out when you get a chance. Download it. Make sure you keep the voice with the people when you start talking about politics and uh, voting, engaging, civic duty, all that good stuff. All right. So check those two people out. Dynamic, wonderful, excellent people doing excellent work in our community um, as well as online. Question number one, when it comes to our relationship side of things, is it wrong to get upset if my partner comes to my house and wakes me up every night when I'm not in my third of the bed? Once again, that question is, is it wrong to get upset if my partner comes to my house and wakes me up every night when I'm not in my third of the bed? I think that that number one, absolutely. Yes, there's, there's something that is as I'm reading through that, there's a huge red flag there. Uh, the fact that they come there and tell you that you have to be in your third of the bed every night. Huge red flag. I when I see stuff like this, though, I, I have to be frank. I start to think a little deeper and I I think you want to consider going to therapy with your partner at some point in time, um, because if they're that obsessive and um, kind of controlling, I think that that can be an indication that it can be more trouble down the line if it's not corralled or proactively gotten onto now. So, um, yes, number one, I think that there's something wrong there. Absolutely wrong. But number two, I think there's something deeper going on there. And it's a controlling element that I feel like if you don't hop out ahead of, it can cause you a lot of pain and frustration down the line. 
right? So I invite you to seek therapy or consider therapy for both you as well as your partner to make sure you're putting your best foot forward. And um, this this minor one third of the bed doesn't eventually explode into something way worse down the line, like abuse or some form of extreme control. Question number two. Why can't my ex-boyfriend say I love you to me? Once again, that question is, why can't my ex-boyfriend say I love you to me? Uh, That can be a very emotionally taxing thing to ask anybody to do to say I love you, period. And the fact that you're asking your ex-boyfriend to to say that or you're asking why they don't say that, I think you want to be mindful that they're an ex for a reason. So you, 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 they are your ex for a reason, obviously not without having um, a ton of knowledge on your situation or what's going on in your situation. I wouldn't be able to to give you a definitive answer of why they don't tell you I love you. But I can say for sure, if I was in a situation in which I was your ex-boyfriend, I would not tell you that I love you, um, whether I did or didn't, because I don't think that there's any value in saying that. I think when you when you seek things like that or when you open the door to I love you and all of those kind of um, mushy things, more or less, for lack of a better word right now, mushy things in it, it kind of opens up a pathway in your brain indicating and saying that maybe there's a chance that you can get back together. Um, but I am firm with this. Your ex is your ex for a reason. So you wanting to them to say, I love you is more of an indication that there's something that may be wrong with you, or you may not have gotten any closure from the situation before than something with him, right? Because it's awkward for your ex-boyfriend to say, I love you. And the fact that you seek that, or you're seeking that, it, it gives me or shows me that there may be some closure that you have not gotten from that situation. So go ahead and seek closure. Don't worry about the I love you piece. Seek closure and then move forward with your life. Is That's what my advice to you in this situation would be. Question number three. Is it possible to have a civil breakup from a toxic relationship? Once again, that question is, is it possible to have a civil breakup from a toxic relationship? I'm one that never says never. But I've I've not seen it happen to date. I'll put it that way. I've not seen a toxic relationship in civilly to date. Um, there's usually one partner, whether it's the, the man or the woman that cannot let go. So they do things like stalk their partner, um, constantly uh, call their partner, harass them on the phone, things along those lines. And the reason why I think that this happens is because they the toxic piece of the relationship has become so ingrained. They don't know how to do anything else, right? They don't know how to display behaviors that indicate that they love each other or that there is love there. So instead of displaying a, a what is known as a weak emotion, like sadness or um, something along those lines, they'll express anger or frustration or rage, or they'll start cussing each other out because in a lot of cases, those emotions are more comfortable to express societally, society uh, wise. So societally, those those type of things are, are more comfortable to express than sadness and um, embarrassment and disappointment. Right. So I've never seen a toxic relationship end um, civilly. It's not to say that they can't, but I've never personally seen it because one partner is usually so ingrained in their toxic behavior and their traits that they don't want to let the other partner go, even though they know that it's not healthy to stay in that relationship. Question number four, 
Is it normal to not be comparable with your partner? Compatible, excuse me. Is it normal to not be compatible with your partner? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes those are the best type of relationships. The That's where you hear the whole opposites attract type of thing in relationships. And in some cases, those are the absolute best relationships to be involved in because your partner sees things from a different perspective than you and they can offer you a different view or a worldview or lens into something. And personally, in my personal opinion, I think that's awesome. Uh, I can share multiple times in which my wife has kind of share something with me and open my eyes to a deeper meaning or deeper context or something. So I'm all about, um, trying to, uh, trying to see or, or see if non-compatibility is just a product of our mind or our old belief system, or if it's an actual thing, right? Because if you're truly not compatible, then a relationship won't work out. But I think we head into relationships saying, oh, we're not compatible with this person and they're opposite from us. And then when we embrace that type of opposite and that type of different worldview, we realize that that person is exactly what we needed because we needed that different perspective. And finally, question number five, what does it mean if a partner doesn't fight for you? Once again, that question is, what does it mean if a partner doesn't fight for you? Um, And I know you'll hear things from relationship coaches, experts, things along those lines like, oh, well, if a partner doesn't fight for you, that means they're not the one for you or this might not be a good relationship for you. I'm not that type of person um, because I know and understand that people have different backgrounds and they come from different type of settings. Not everyone is used to being combative or confrontational. So if they're in a situation in which a conflict occurs and they're not used to being in conflict, they may shut down and they may give off the appearance that they're not fighting for you or that they don't love you. When in all actuality, they just don't know how to deal with conflict and are not comfortable dealing with conflict. So I share that with you to say, if your partner doesn't fight for you, it may not mean anything at all. Right. They still may love you. They still may appreciate you. In the ways that they say they love you and appreciate you, it's just that they're not used to fighting and that's not what they do. It's not how they've grown up. So it may not mean anything at all if it means something to you, though. This is the important piece for you, I think, in answering this question. If if fighting for you means a lot to you or standing up for you means a lot for you, then I think you need to express that to your partner. Express to them that standing up for you means a lot because you stand up for them and it's just what your um, vision of a lasting relationship is, right? A partner who has your back no matter what and no matter who it's up against. And I think that the more you communicate that and you express that to your partner, the uh, more they'll take in the fact that you want them to defend you in a certain way. Keep in mind, though. Again, like I said at the beginning of this question, if this person isn't used to dealing with conflict, don't expect them to automatically become a, a warrior and start to fight for you. Give understand and and give them grace and and know that there there's a gradual kind of formation of standing up for your partner if you're not used to doing it. All right, that's all we have for you all this evening. I'm so happy to be back doing the question and answer episodes. <laughs> I've gotten a couple of emails saying, hey, when we're going to get our, our, our answers, our questions answered, I got y'all. I know I, I, I've picked up on my interviews, put the question and answers to the side. I've now picked up 
on the question and answers and I'll uh, put the interviews to the side for a little bit now to make sure that I get caught up on all your wonderful questions about exposing these narcissists as well as any type of relationship questions you have. Don't forget once again to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Send us a like, follow, subscription, uh, any feedback that you have. We're more than open to any type of feedback. It would be greatly appreciated. With that being said, everyone, make sure you remember those five ingredients to your lasting relationship if you really want your relationship to last. Number one is trust. Number two is communication, dialogue, back and forth, not you dominating conversation with your partner. Number three is knowing your partner's love and apology languages. Don't just know how to love on them, but also know how to apologize to them in a way in which they feel that you really mean it. Number four is the ability to shift with the ever-changing dynamics of the world. There's always going to be some type of external force in your relationship. Make sure you're able to shift and change with the different dynamics that come about. And then last, but certainly not least, number five, unconditional acceptance. Right. Accepting your partner for who they are right now, today, but also understanding and knowing that they're working to be the best person that they can possibly be on a regular basis. That's it. That's all we have. I'm glad to be back. Get those questions in the TQLP20 at gmail.com. And most importantly, remember the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love, everybody. I'm happy to be back.